0: And welcome to our show today about stress or maybe I ought to say um, stress reduction. Uh, it's a subject that I've been giving a lot of thought to lately in my own life since I seem to be a more more of a, a stress ball than I used to be and, and I don't like it. Um, besides the obvious reason I don't like being a stress ball, I'm also maybe a little frustrated with myself about it because my life is really pretty good, uh, especially, you know, in many ways, my life is actually pretty cushy. I really don't have all that much to be stressed out about, especially compared to to other people I know who really do have problems that, that are keeping them up at night and should be keeping them up at night, frankly. But of course, I do have stressors um, like everyone else. And because they're my stressors, they they bother me more, I suppose, than than other people's stressors do. Now, my biggest stressors by far are related to my work. And by work, I mean my rescue work. On a daily basis, I deal literally with life and death, which tends to be stressful. But animal rescue also attracts a lot of highly emotional people, most of them female, and they bring a lot of stress with them, which as the president of Saving with Soul Pet Rescue, I deal with the drama and the stress of those highly emotional people day in and day out. And every once in a while when I have a bad day in rescue, I think that I should just bail on it and go back to being Jennifer Allen Hagedorn, author of Soul with Soul, which compared to rescue is pretty darn close to being stress-free. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, some days it sounds pretty good. Uh, but uh You know, yesterday I had a day that reminded me how much I like rescue, how much I love rescue, how rewarding it is. Just in the last two days, I've saved 13 dogs from being euthanized. And, um, you know, I feel pretty good about that. So, you know, a good day in rescue is well worth the stress and the drama that I have to put up with on the bad days. And that's something to remember when... You're stressing about your real estate career or, or anything, really, I mean, your marriage or, or your family or your health. I mean, part of the reason for the stress that you're having is related to the fact that what you do is important, whether that's your career, or your family, or whatever. What you do, what you get involved in is important. It matters. You care about it. And so, yes, it's going to be stressful sometimes. But anyway... Over the last several years, I've come to firmly believe that what you focus on is what you attract more of. So if I'm focusing on all this stress that I'm feeling, if I'm dwelling on all the things that I I can be worrying about, then I'm probably making it worse by bringing more things to dwell on and to worry about, and I don't want that, um, obviously, which, of course, I say, obviously, but maybe not. I mean, maybe that's a subject in itself, whether or not someone you me do we really want less stress or do we actually thrive on on drama and chaos. I'm not really planning to talk about that today, but if we have time at the end, maybe we can we can delve into it a little bit. So anyway, back to the subject. I've been intentionally working on myself to relax to not worry so much and to think more positively about what's happening in my life and in my work in hopes of attracting more to think positively about. Now obviously most of you on this call if not all of you on this call are not an animal rescue. So the specific stressors and worries that I have are not the same ones that you have although you're certainly welcome to worry about them with me if you like. But um rescue and real estate are so similar in so many ways. So Even though May of 2019 will mark 10 years since I left real estate, which I I can't believe that, Um, but anyway, I'm pretty sure that the strategies I'm using today to combat my rescue related stress will work for you in your real estate career. Now that said, I also have some very specific real estate specific strategies that that I'm going to share with you. All right. So the about half of the strategies I'm going to share with you today are mindset-related in that the goal of the strategy itself isn't to necessarily eliminate or ward off the stressor itself, but rather to help you take a different perspective on the matter so that it doesn't bother you so much, so that, yeah, the situation's there, um, but you're, it's not going to stress you out quite as badly as maybe it has been. Um, another way to put that, would be that these kind of mindset related strategies will help you improve your mood which is a huge stress or a, hu- a huge step toward to being less stressed. Now, the second half of the program, the second half of the strategies are going to be specific changes that you can make in your routine or your business model, most of them specific to real estate that can help you avoid or reduce the stress altogether. So, sound good? All right. Now, some of the strategies I'm going to talk about, you have probably heard me talk about before, either in live workshops that we've done where we've talked about some of this or just general tele-seminars or maybe even in my books, although I don't think I talk a about, lot about it in my books. Um, but anyway, for some reason in 2013, I did a lot of shows related to stress reduction. And I don't know what it was in 2013 i don't remember anything in particular that was going on but for members of club sws that's the monthly subscription program uh if you go i i put a link on there even but if you go into the store and you click on teleseminars from 2013 you'll see several that were related to reducing the stress in in your business so if you're a member of club sws you might go in there pull some of those off and listen to them Um, Some of the other strategies I'm going to share today, I've discovered fairly recently, and I'm kind of excited to talk them through with you. Okay. So mood, mindset strategies. Ready? Again, if you have questions, comments, send them in. Um, I love knowing that you're out there. So I have one, two, three, four, five, maybe six or seven mood slash mindset strategies to share with you to reduce the stress. So just. One quick look, last look. Edie's um, asking, um, "Do you think your strategies will work with other careers, such as staging?" Um, yeah, I mean, unless I mean, some of them are going to be working. Yeah, actually, probably everything I'm going to tell you about will work in other careers where other people, you know, clients, customers are involved. So I would think so. Okay, number one, mindset strategy to reduce the stress in your life. You've probably heard me talk about this, but it's extremely simple and extremely powerful, and that is when you're feeling stressed, to smile. Simple as that. Okay, if you're like me, you probably, if you notice, you'll probably find yourself throughout the day, maybe when you're driving, maybe even taking a shower, when you're, you know, not doing anything, really, you find yourself with a scowl on your face. Um, you know, your forehead's all crunched up, um, maybe your shoulders are hunched, um, your entire body language is stress. Maybe you're thinking about something that's stressing you out, which we tend to do, right? Um, and so your, your whole body is in stress mode. I mean, somebody would look at you and they'd say, okay, that person's stressed out, or thinking about something stressful. So if you feel your body going into that, smile. Not a big, huge, silly smile, unless you want to, that's fine too. Just smile. Try it right now and see if you feel the difference. Your shoulders will probably relax. Your forehead will unfurrow. Your, you know, the laugh lines around your mouth will probably soften. Your breath might slow down a little bit. Your gut might relax. Just by smiling. Now, I use this all the time, because I find myself in that scowly face mode a lot, especially when I'm driving and when I'm not sleeping, which I'm going to talk about next. But if you can just smile and feel your face relax, feel your mind relax, feel your body relax, do you hear it in my voice even? is I mean, I'm doing it right now, and everything relaxes. And so if you're in kind of the habit of having the scowly face on, having the frowny face on, that physical reaction is going to exacerbate the stress that you're feeling. And you're just going to dwell on it more. You're going to worry about it more. Okay? Smile. All right? Try it. Get into the habit of doing this if you can remind yourself. Um, Again, when you're driving, when you're doing anything and you feel that frowny face coming on and you're focusing on stuff, even if you're not particularly stressed, if you smile while you're thinking about stuff, it will all seem much easier to handle. Okay? So that's thing number one. If you have any comments, if you tried it with me and you felt like, whoa, wow. Wow. (laughs)
1: you know, that worked.
0: Go ahead and tell me. I'd love to get your feedback. So, um, I said I was going to, next, I was going to talk about when you're not sleeping, and that actually isn't next on my list, but let's go ahead and talk about that. Um, Acknowledge your high anxiety periods. For me, that's the middle of the night, no question. Now, I'm guessing, I think there's some physiological explanation for why we tend to worry more at night than during the day and why we wake up at midnight. I think it's something to do with your liver or something anyway, but if you happen to wake up in the middle of the night, it's very common to stay awake for several hours while you worry about stuff. This has been a problem my whole life. It's still a problem, and it will probably be a problem the rest of my life. But what I discovered was that while I am worrying at midnight, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, Everything seems so much worse than it really is, and so I would spend those hours fretting. I mean, distressed. I, I, you know, was making majorly bad decisions in the middle of the night, and then I would wake up in the morning, have my coffee, and be like, "What? What was I so stressed out about? Yeah, you know, I mean, it was tiny little things that I would get so worked up about. You know, something and." email that I got right before I went to bed, a private message I got right before I went to bed, that's nothing. I can solve it. I get up in the morning, I look at it, and I go, oh, my God, this is nothing. So are you going to fix the middle of the night worries? You know, maybe. I have a little natural solution for you, remedy for you. But for me, the biggest stress reliever here is not figuring out how to sleep through the night, although that would be great but rather acknowledging that when I'm fretting at midnight, one o'clock, two o'clock, that I'm going to feel better in the morning. I'm, yes, I'm fretting now. I'm upset about it. I don't know that I can talk myself out of being upset about it now, but once I assured myself, I comforted myself that I'm going to be, I'm going to feel better in the morning and whatever this is I'm so upset about, I'll fix it in the morning with very little drama. It it does relieve some of that stress. So now you, Maybe you have high anxiety times that are different. You know, maybe you're stressed out at noon or 9 o'clock at night or 5 o'clock in the morning. I don't know. you know, just acknowledge that those are your perhaps low emotional energy times and that when you get to a higher emotional energy, it won't seem like such a big deal. I do, for that matter, though, have a little natural remedy that I use, and it's called Bach Rescue Sleep. And it's a little spray. And originally I got it because someone told me it helps you sleep. And I said, well, that's a good thing. Okay, it'll help me sleep. So I used it and it did help me sleep. But then I actually read what it does and it's designed to quiet your mind. So that's actually what it's for is to help your mind settle down, help your mind relax and not fret so much in the middle of the night. And so – I don't take it when I go to sleep because I don't have trouble going to sleep. When I wake up at midnight, I spray some in my mouth, and I just kind of relax for a little bit, and I do find that it helps quiet my mind. So just something you might want to try. So acknowledge your high anxiety periods and know that everything will be better in the morning, more manageable in the morning. Okay, next stress reduction strategy. This is brand new. Okay, no one has ever heard me described the strategy ever. I've never told my husband. I've never told anybody. You guys are the first people I have ever said this out loud to. So there you go. Um, I am coming up on 52 years old. I'm in reasonably good health, reasonably good shape, but like probably most people in our age group, I have aches and pains. And I especially have aches and pains after I've been sitting either on the couch or at my computer. Okay, raise your hand if you can relate. You have aches and pains, you stand up, and your muscles creak, and, you know, you, you, you're you stiff. Okay, can you relate to that? Well, what I've been doing, probably what you do, is I stand up from the couch, I put my hand on my lower back, okay, my knees are kind of creaking, and I walk, around like a little old lady, and moan and groan and have my frowny face on, my scowly face on, and eventually, you know, I kind of shake it off and, you know, walk around like a normal person. I didn't even notice I was doing this. And then my husband made some kind of crack about his little old lady wife who, you know, is walking around like an old crone, and... I guess it got to me vanity-wise, like, oh, that doesn't sound very attractive. (laughs) And I started noticing how much I was doing it, and I was hobbling around like there was something really wrong with me. And so what I have started to do, when I remember, is when I stand up from the couch, when I stand up from my computer, I stand up straight, I put my shoulders back, I don't put my hand on my lower back, and I walk confidently. And I realize all of this hobbling around is not necessary. It's not something I have to do. When I stand up from the couch, I am perfectly capable of standing up straight, putting my shoulders back, and walking off with confidence. The rest, it's just for show. It's all for the drama. And I know this probably doesn't sound like a stress reduction technique, but try it. I just, I get up from the couch, I walk into the kitchen, I walk to wherever I'm going, and I feel so much better. I feel more confident. I feel more vibrant. And, you know, how many times do you get up on and off the couch every day and up and, you know, out of your chair every day? And so if every time you do that, you do it with confidence, you do it with a smile, um, I think that might actually have a pretty good effect on, on your mood. So, okay, you guys, that's, you're the first one to ever hear that. So what do you think? Can you relate? I hope so. I hope that didn't sound like crazy. Um, okay, next mindset strategy to help reduce the stress, and I'm going to guess some of you are going to mentally argue with me on this one, and and that's okay, and that is, don't talk about how stressed stressed out you are. Don't talk about it. So don't say it out loud to yourself, to anybody on Facebook, on email, to your group, to your husband, to your kids. Um, I'm so stressed, I'm so busy, I can't get anything done, I'm overwhelmed, I'm in overwhelmed mode, I'm, oh, my God, uh, huh. don't talk about it. Don't put a voice to, quote, how stressed you are, because all that does is feed it. All that does is feed that negative, stressful energy. And if you are sort of a, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I can't, there's no way I'm going to get everything, I'm so stressed out, oh, my God, this is, I, I can't handle it, I'm in overwhelm. If you do that, try not doing it. And I think you will, you will feel the difference of just mentally sharper, clearer. You're not giving energy to the overwhelm, to the stress. Now, related to this is don't, and this in real, this is huge in real estate. It's huge in rescue. And I'm guessing it's huge in real estate is don't vent about the difficulties in your life, the stresses in your business. Now, everybody, you know, you hear venting is good for the soul, that you have to vent, that you have to give a voice to your frustrations or else you'll bottle them all up inside and then one day you'll explode in this horrible nastiness of all of this anger and stuff that you've stuffed inside. And that's just not true. Okay? The more energy you give to your stresses, the more energy your stresses have. So, You know, for example, let's say you have a client that stressed you out this morning for whatever reason, okay? They called you and they made an irrational demand or something, which we're going to talk about later. And you have two options here. Either you can listen to the irrational demand, maybe get a little frustrated, and then go on about your day, deal with it however you need to deal with it, and then go on about your day and do other things. Or you can complain about it to your partner, to your assistant, to your spouse, to your Facebook friends, to your cat, to your dog, and spend the next three hours complaining about this annoying person. I can promise you at the end of those three hours, let's say that, let's say that you took option one and you just went about your day versus option two, you complained and vented, which is good for the soul, to somebody for three hours, I can guarantee you three hours later you're going to be a whole lot less stressed if you took option one. Try it. I swear, try it. Okay, you don't need to vent about them. In fact, if you don't vent about that person, I can almost guarantee you half an hour later you've forgotten about it. Okay, now remember a few minutes ago I mentioned that maybe do we really want less stress? Maybe we like the drama and the chaos. This is something that falls into that. All the venting, all the whining, all of the complaining about things um, brings more, and some people thrive on that, and sometimes even I thrive on that. So, okay. Next strategy is kind of related to that one. It's called master the shrug. The shrug. It's exactly what it sounds like. Is when something stresses you out probably a person in most cases, a person stresses you out. Instead of getting wound up about it, instead of taking it personally, instead of getting defensive, instead of getting offensive, you just shrug and go, "Hmm, oh, well, what do you do? And go on about your day. If it's a person that's pretty annoying, pretty offensive to you, um, shrug, say, poor dear, they must be having a bad day. Must suck to be them. Shrug and move on. You can do this physically, actually shrug, you know, roll your eyes, tilt your head a little bit, go off about your day, or just, you know, mentally shrug, but master the shrug. Oh, well, poor guy. You need some, you know, someone forgot to take his happy pill today. Oh, well, and go on about your day. All right, um, next strategy is make the tough phone calls as soon as possible. If you have a tough phone call to make, a difficult phone call to make, a painful phone call to make, go ahead and make that phone call now, not an hour from now, not three days from now, okay? Go ahead and do it now. Even if you're not super prepared for it, go ahead and get it done. There are several, three, I think, benefits to, to making tough phone calls. Now, this can apply to emails and other other modes of communication, but mostly to phone calls, really. Um, You'll get the most bang for your buck, the most power by actually picking up the phone and making making those tough phone calls. And here's why. A couple reasons, three reasons. One, even if you're not, you don't even realize how much you're dreading this phone call. I mean, sometimes, I mean, it's it's bothering you. It's kind of bothering you in the back of your mind, but you're not, you don't realize how stressed out you are about it. And then you make the phone call. Oh, my gosh. Once you've made that phone call, the stress is gone. You have the whole day in front of you. You might even feel like dancing. Now, of course, if you're very stressed out about the phone call and you're very aware of how stressed you are about the phone call and you make it, then, you know, so much the better. But if there's a difficult phone call sitting on your desk, maybe you've put it off for an hour, maybe you've put it off for a week, and it's bothering you, get that phone call done. You won't believe how awesome you're going to feel afterwards. Now, another couple things about that. One, if the phone call that you're dreading, 9 times out of 10, it's not a big deal. It's not nearly as big of a deal as you're thinking it is that you've built it up in your mind to be. And so you make the phone call, you talk to the person and and it's over. Like, oh, wow, that was no big deal. And so, you know, not only do you get it off your mental plate, but it's not that big of a deal, and it's over. And again, you have this wonderful, beautiful day in front of you. Of course, if it is a big deal, if there's a reason this phone call is difficult, and it is difficult, it's a difficult phone call, but hey, still, how wonderful is it to have it done? So huge stress relief. And as a real estate agent, you have difficult phone calls almost every single day, I'm guessing. And It's so easy to put them off. Another sort of related thing I just thought of is especially, you know, how how so many people don't answer their phones anymore because it's going to be a sales call. I mean, I get that. We've talked about that here in our shows recently. And so the phone rings, you don't recognize the number, you let it go to voicemail, and then they left a voicemail. How many people, when they leave a voicemail, you go, oh, no, oh, no, I have to check my voicemail? I do. I mean, I admit, because do people call with good news? No, usually they call with problems. And so I will sit there and look at my voicemail, you know, for an hour or two and not want to check it because I don't want to deal with the problem. And so this is sort of a corollary to that. If somebody calls, one, just to answer the phone if you can. If it's a sales call, hang up. No big deal. What have you lost? If it's not a sales call and you answered the call and it's a problem, you know what? You can get it done, get it taken care of. It doesn't even have to hit your mental stress load, okay? They call, you answer, you get it done, it's over. Of course, if you don't answer the phone, it goes to voicemail. Pick up the voicemail now. It may be nothing. It may be a sales call recording, okay? It may be good news, or it may be a problem you have to solve, and then you can solve it right away and and get it out of your life. So, okay, make the tough phone calls as soon as possible, All right, two more things on the mental kind of mindset, and then I'll move on to the specific um, real estate strategies. Next one, you probably saw this coming if you've been around for a while, and that is to create mantras to soothe yourself when you're stressed out. Um, What I mean by a mantra is something that you say to yourself that sounds perfectly natural to you, that comforts you when you're stressed. Okay, I'll tell you my three or four, and you're welcome to use these if you like them, but the first of all, okay, first, I'll figure it out, I always do. I'll get it all done, I always do. There's a solution to this problem. I don't know what it is yet, but there is one, and I'll figure it out. I always do. And there's another one there's a fourth one, but you kind of get the I can't remember what it is, but you kind of get the gist of it, so you just kind of say to yourself almost with a shrug and a smile, a shrug and a smile, is I'll get it all done. I always do when you're stressed out about how much you have to do that day. Or when you're presented with a problem, which in real estate, that's basically the job, is to be presented with problems and say, hmm, I'll figure it out. I always do. And if you're really, you know, concerned about the problem, you really don't know what you're going to do, I add the, I have no idea what the answer is, but there is one, and I'll figure it out. I always do. So if you can start implementing your own mantras for situations like these, you know, I can't I don't know if I'm gonna get it all you know, as compos as opposed to, oh my god, I don't know what we're gonna do. Oh my god, how am I gonna get it all done? Oh my god, I don't have enough money, how am I gonna pay all the bills? That was the other one is when things come up um financial and I'm kinda of stressed out about it is I'll get it. I'll get it paid. I always do. Okay? So implement mantras. Huge stress reducer. Huge. And I've done a whole show on this, so I'm not going to, you know, go through all of the details of it. But I swear when you can comfort yourself with a believable, positive mantra, every time you comfort yourself with that mantra, I'll get it all done. I always do. And you do get it all done, the next time you say it to yourself, It'll have even more power and the next time even more power to the point that all you have to do is kind of laugh at yourself and say, I'll get it all done. Of course I will. I always do. And, and that becomes your reality. Okay. I have one last, one last little mindset thing and then we'll go into some real estate specific stress reducers. Okay. This last one is what I call silver lining thinking. What silver lining thinking is, it just it's just like what it sounds, is when something happens that you initially perceive as a negative, whether that's a change or a problem or a challenge, you initially perceive it to be negative, you look for the silver lining. You look for the positive. Look for the benefit in whatever this is. For some reason, we seem to be programmed that anytime there's a change, we immediately look for the problem with it how is it going to negatively impact us and you know some examples might be let's say that your brokerage is being bought out by someone else and so you've been at this particular brokerage doing things the way this brokerage does them and then another company is coming in a big name franchise let's say is coming in buying your cute little boutique boat brokerage and Bam! You're going to be now a a Keller Williams agent or a Coldwell Banker agent or whoever goes around buying the you know buying little franchises out. I don't know. Automatically, most people are going to say, "Uh "Uh-oh! No, I don't want that change. I don't want no. This is going to be terrible. This is going to be awful." Well, the reality is there'll be changes. Some will be good. Some may not be. But if you focus, if you can train yourself when things like this happen, when changes, train yourself to say, wow, this might be an awesome opportunity. Even if you have no idea how it's going to be an awesome opportunity, approach it from that mindset of, oh, wow, this is cool. This is exciting. How might this benefit me? Wow, this is really exciting because some of the agents in your office are going to be excited about it. Some of the agents in your office are going to be just mad as heck about it. And I can almost guarantee you the ones who are excited about it are the ones who are going to benefit, <laughs> and the ones who are mad as heck about it are going to be the ones that, that don't benefit. And I don't think that's a coincidence. So be one of the agents in this particular example who's excited about the change, excited about the opportunities. Worst case, it's a terrible thing for you, and here's a great opportunity to go out on your own, to go exploring your your options, you know, go see what else is out there. Um, You know, for another example might be if you have a transaction, a a contract, and it falls apart. You get that phone call that the house didn't appraise, the buyers are walking, or, you know, the furnace is bad, the buyers are walking, the financing didn't go through, you know, whatever, your deal's falling apart. Obviously, that sounds like a bad thing, but if you, you know, apply silver lining thinking, You'll probably find some benefits in it, even if they're not readily apparent now. But just get into the habit of applying silver lining thinking when, when changes happen, okay? That's changes. Now, what about when problems occur, okay? When, you know, you're having a problem in a transaction. You're having a problem, um, I mean, obviously in your marriage or anything. But let's say you're having a problem in a transaction. You're having a problem in your career. If you can apply, get used to applying silver lining thinking, there are, there are almost always going to be benefits to the problems that arise in your real estate career. And the more positive spin you're able to, to put to them mentally, the less stressed out these problems are going to be. Keep in mind, the whole reason real estate agents have a job is because there are problems out there. And so you are going to get problems. And the more positively you can think about them as they come in, the better equipped you're going to be to deal with them and the less stressed you'll be. So, you know, let's say, I'm just going to make this up. I remember early in my career, I had a buyer who was buying a condo and there was some issue with the Homeowners Association and I don't remember what the details were. I guess I could just make them up. But anyway, there was some problem with the homeowners association. And for this deal to stay together, that everybody wanted it to stay together, there was going to have to be a lot of extra work done. And so, you know, and we did it. I, I mean, I remember somehow the other agent and I and the lender, we all worked together and we got it done. And so it was a pain in the butt. And yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't appreciate that call. But the silver lining of that was a couple things. And you can apply this to just about any real estate. Problem that arises in your career is one, I learned something. I learned a lot. This would never happen. This will never happen to me again because it is something that I probably could have avoided if I had had the experience before. Well, now I've had the experience. It's not going to happen to me again. It was a very, very good learning experience, and I'm a better real estate agent for it now. The second thing is, and this is true in so many real estate issues. If you go out there and confidently solve the problem, whatever the problem is, you have proven your worth to yourself and to your buyer or your seller. Because if real estate transactions were easy peasy, they wouldn't need us. When they're hard and you get in there and you, you know, you are able to solve the problem and you've learned how to solve the problem, one. But two, you've demonstrated that you are a problem solver, not only to your client, but to yourself. Okay, so that's what I mean by silver lining thinking is, you know, sure, there's problems. Sure, there's changes. Sure, there's challenges. But there is a silver lining, and if you train yourself to look for it, you're going to be a lot less stressed when the problems arise. Okay, I'm going to move on to some very specific examples you can use in your real estate career to head off stress, to head off the stressful situations. All right. Um Here's something we talked about a couple of shows ago, and almost without exception, when I asked the audience, Do you do this? everybody said no, and then seemed to think about it and go, Wow, why don't I do that? And that is when you start working with a new buyer or a new seller, specific, particularly a seller, but this would certainly work with a buyer, ask fairly early on how are we doing what you're really asking is how am i doing but if you say how are we doing are you happy with how this is you know going so far um are you happy with the level of communication you're getting uh do you feel like you're getting the attention that you need you don't have to ask these specific questions but that's basically what you're asking your client how are we doing how are you feeling about you know how are you feeling about this so far If you ask that question and your client has some concerns, has some complaints, you'd really want to know about them sooner than later, right? I mean, if your client has complaints, I mean, do you really want to hear them? Yeah, I mean, not really. I'd really rather they don't have complaints. But if they have them, I think you'd want to know about them. And by your asking, they appreciate that you're giving them the form. They may be sitting there frustrated as heck about something that you had no idea or maybe they didn't understand how it worked. You know, for an example, let's just say um, I had a client once who didn't realize that I was not going to be attending the showings or that I shouldn't be attending the showings on his home. And he finally complained to me about it. And he thought all this time that I had been remiss in my duties, that I should have been at the showings. And I had no idea he expected that, and he had no idea that I had no intention of being at the showings. And so had I asked him before he got all worked up about it, he could have said, yeah, actually, I'm kind of wondering why you are not at the, oh, well, that's not how it's done, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So the pushback I get on this concept is of, you know, ask how I'm doing. Well, what if they tell me? What if they tell me? Then what do I do? Well, again, don't you want to know? But on the other hand, if you actually ask somebody, hey, how are we doing? How are you feeling about this? They're probably going to say everything's great. And then you feel good. They feel good. And heck, you might even get a testimonial out of it. You know, if you, if they send you an email, if you send them an email and say, Hey, I just want to check in how we're doing. Are you happy? Is there anything I could be, you know, doing better? Anything, you know, you're not, you know, you're. You're concerned about, hey, let me know, and they write you back in an email about how great it is, and they love your communication, and da 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 hey, you just got yourself a testimonial. So, um, all right, ward off complaints by asking how we're doing. Let's see. Um, totally unrelated. Have a good referral partner. Now, by referral partner, I mean somebody who's probably a little different from you. You want someone with a good work ethic, somebody who's a good real estate agent, but maybe who has a different personality from you. And I had somebody like that in my, you know, when I was a real estate agent that he was more aggressive, more assertive, uh, just kind of more of a, a I don't want to say a jerk. <laughs> he wasn't a jerk, but there are people who want the more pushy aggressive sort of person representing them. And he was a good agent He got things done. He just got them done in a different manner from me. He was reliable. He was full time. He was a hard worker and he was smart. He was all these good things just different from me. So when I would have a, you know, a relationship with a buyer or seller and it just, you know, the personalities weren't clicking, I had somebody to refer them to who they might be happier with. Um, another thing I didn't do, but I, in retrospect, I could have is, um, You've probably heard, you may have heard me tell the story either in cell With Soul or in a seminar that I'm relatively conservative. Um, I'm politically conservative. And I found when I was selling real estate in Denver that I often had issues with people who came down from Boulder. Boulder tends to be very, very liberal. And we didn't sit around and talk about politics. It wasn't like that. But just our world views were very different. And so I would find often at some point in the transaction we would butt heads and I couldn't figure out what was going on until I made the connection. So if you are like me, fairly conservative, you might want to find a very liberal real estate agent to refer people to and, of course, vice versa. Okay? Just a thought. Um and, I mean, we're talking about stress reduction. Obviously, having somebody to refer to when you're too busy or when you're going out of town, that sort of thing, I mean, that's a no-brainer. You've got to have somebody who can back up your business. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to be able to take time off either on vacation or an emergency or something and know that, and know that somebody has your back. Um, okay. I alluded to this a little bit earlier when I was talking about the ask your client how you're doing Make it your policy with your clients, especially your sellers, to over-communicate. To communicate with them about everything you do until you get maybe a gauge of what their comfort level is. Some people say they don't want to do that because they don't want to overwhelm their clients. They don't want their clients to get tired of them. I can almost guarantee you they aren't going to, and if they do – then they're not going to be mad at you for over-communicating. I'm not saying pick up the phone and have an hour-long conversation with them. No, I don't want that either. But if you communicate with your clients maybe more than you feel you need to, you're going to ward off so much stress, so much drama with your clients because they're going to be so happy with you, and they're not sitting there stewing over why this isn't happening or that isn't happening And you're having the conversations, and you'll feel good about being in touch with your client so much. I don't know about you, but when there are people in my life I really need to stay in touch with better than I am, and I don't, it's this low-lying stress that's always there. And so one thing I've done in my rescue is I go through my list every week of the foster homes that we have, and I make sure that I or someone has checked in with them. Until I do that, I've got this little stress thing going that, oh, my gosh, they're going to feel I haven't, you know, paid attention to them. But once you do it, it's a beautiful feeling. I'm like, okay, I checked in. They know I care. All right, so communicate with your clients. Related sort of to the how am I doing strategy is ask up front in the early part of your transaction with a new client what their expectations are for you, for communication, for how the transaction is going to go, for what sort of, maybe with a buyer, what sort of timing they're anticipating. But ask them, you know, and you can kind of, you know, come up with maybe kind of a mental list particular to that person of, you know, what expectations do you have? Communication's a big one, okay? You can, you know, here's typically how I communicate with my clients. Um, But what are your expectations for communications from a real estate agent? You know, do you, you know, how often would you like to hear from me? Assuming, of course, you know, there's nothing critical going on. Obviously, if we get an offer on your house, I'm going to communicate right away. But in general, you know, ask for their expectations, okay? Again, instead of trying to figure out what their expectations should be or are and whether or not you're meeting them, just ask. And here's the cool thing, if you ask them, for their expectations, and they tell you, they've told you. So as long as you comply with those, and they're not going to say, I need to hear from you every hour, every day. They're not going to say that. So if they say, you know, once a week is great, great. Communicate with them twice a week. Then you're over, you're exceeding their expectations, and it's easy to do. Okay. Um, Just two more. Be willing to let difficult clients go. Let me read that again. Be willing to let difficult clients go. Notice I didn't say fire your difficult clients. If you want to fire somebody, go for it. Okay, I'm not saying you can't. Personally, I'm a huge fan of not burning bridges. And I swear every time I've been tempted to burn a bridge, with someone in my life they've come back and done something really nice for me or or something and I'm I'm glad that I didn't burn that bridge but there are difficult people in your life that are causing you tremendous stress I know there are there certainly are in mine I don't know that I have ever asked one of them to leave now somebody who is perhaps more um assertive than I am, confrontational than I am, they would probably tell you to ask that person to leave, to fire that client, to eliminate that person from your life. Personally, I don't think I've ever done that. But be willing to let them go if they choose to leave. Now, this is just me. Again, you may be the sort of person that says, you know what, this person's stressing me out, I'm going to get them out of my life. Okay, that's fine. But what I mean by be willing to let them go is that if someone is in your life, even an important person is in your life, but they're causing you tremendous stress, but you don't have it in you to tell them to leave, whether that's a client or a friend or an associate or whatever. If they choose to leave, let them go and bask in how wonderful it feels now that they're gone. This happens to me a lot in rescue is there are some very difficult people in my rescue, And in my rescue work, and I don't have it in me to ask them to leave my life, but when they do, I don't chase after them, even if they're very valuable to my life. If they're high stress, I don't chase after them. I let them go, and I'm fine with that. Now, in real estate, you have these opportunities all the time, especially when you have difficult clients. And I've had agents ask me, you know, would you fire this person? Would you stop working with this person? And here's all the things they're doing. And my initial response is, God, I, yeah, get rid of them. You know, I, I would, but I don't know that I actually would. Um, I would probably keep plowing ahead, but if they fired me, if they stopped responding to me, I'd be okay with that. I'd be at peace with that and I would move on. So, um, would love to hear your thoughts on. Um, Whether to fire or not fire or just be happy if somebody leaves. Okay, the last strategy, I'm going to sort of, well, this, what I'm going to tell you comes straight from a show I did back in 2013 called Setting Boundaries and Taking Control. I wanted to sort of redo what I said back in that show because I didn't want to just, you know, steal what I did five years ago. But it actually was so good that I did a quick transcription of it, and I'm just going to basically repeat it. Um, It's about setting boundaries, all right? So when real estate agents talk about setting boundaries, they are almost always doing it based on some bad experience that they had with somebody else, and they want to make sure that, that it doesn't happen again. So, in other words, they're sort of, in a sense, Expecting the worst from their future clients, even though their future clients, their current clients, have done nothing to deserve that expectation. Now, here's the thing. So if you're dealing, let's say, with a very difficult client right now, it's easy to get frustrated with that, obviously, and decide that you need to set some boundaries, um, you know, going forward so that it doesn't happen to you again. But the problem is probably your future clients, the ones that are going to follow this difficult one, are perfectly nice, perfectly reasonable people that don't need you to set boundaries with them. Now, this isn't saying that you should allow yourself to be abused or taken advantage of, um, but when you talk about setting boundaries, I don't want you to go into it from an adversarial stance, which is how the traditional – typical boundary-setting advice goes, is that you need to make sure that those pesky clients out there don't take advantage of you or don't abuse you. So think about a doctor or a veterinarian. Do you think that they might have some patients who call them at all hours, who take more time, who show up late, who take more time than than they were supposed to during their appointments, who expect return phone calls in, you know, three minutes? They probably do, right? Everybody has unreasonable clients or or patients or customers. So imagine that your veterinarian has some of these people, but you, a perfectly nice, normal person, you went to visit your veterinarian, and one of the first things that the vet says was, well, I hope you realize that you aren't my only patient, so I only have a limited amount of time I can spend with you, and you better be here on time, and if my family calls During our consultation, I hope you realize that I have to take the call because, of of course, family comes first. And please understand that I'm a busy person. I can only return phone calls between certain hours. And if you call on the weekend, which is family time, it will be Monday or Tuesday before I return your calls. You understand? Now, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but maybe not. You know, so obviously this veterinarian has, you know, feels abused by a few clients, and so they feel the need going forward to make sure that nobody else does that. Now, you are a nice, normal person. Are you going to be doing all of these things? No, you're not. How would you feel about this veterinarian? Are you feeling sorry for them that they have some abusive clients and you're, you know, determined that you're not going to be one of them? No. You're probably thinking this guy's an ass, okay? You're not feeling all warm and fuzzy toward them. You're probably a little ticked off that this person is, that this vet is treating you as if you intend to take advantage of them without giving you the benefit of the doubt that you are a reasonable, decent, polite, you know, courteous person. Now, if you're a little bit rebellious even, you know, you might be inclined to push back a a little bit. But even if you're not, the little speech that they've probably mastered at this point has done nothing to nurture the trust and rapport between the two of you. And it's done everything to create a wall between the two of you. And you didn't deserve it. Okay? So, you know, what I'm saying is declaring your boundaries if you want to set boundaries, which I'm going to talk a little bit more about that, um, but if just declaring your boundaries isn't going to work, it's it's rude, it's off-putting, and it's kind of um, patronizing. Um, I had a, I mean, I have, a, I had a situation. Well, never mind. I'm running out of time. I'll I'll keep going. Um, so what do you do instead? How do you set boundaries without alienating the other person? Okay. Well, first, any boundary that you set, you want to make sure that it's something that you actually care about. You're not just doing it just to do it, um, you know, just to prove that you can. And, well, some other real estate agent told you that you shouldn't take calls after 7 o'clock because that's unprofessional. So, you know, you decide to set a boundary that you're not going to answer phone calls after 7 o'clock, even though you're perfectly willing to answer phone calls after 7 o'clock. Or, you know, maybe somebody told you you need to take Sundays off. You don't really want to take Sundays off. You're fine working on Sundays. But someone told you you should, so you're like, well, I'm going to set a boundary that I'm not going to work on Sundays. No, I mean, make sure whatever your boundaries are to protect your stress level, to protect your mental your mental health are things that actually matter to you. Okay, so let's just say, let's give it an example of setting expectations as to your availability and response time. Okay? Now, we don't want to do this snotily, all right? But... You know, here's an example, and this I just alluded to in our last, our last strategy, is you can say this to your new client if, again, your availability and response time is something that you want to set a boundary around. I just want to talk to a few minutes about your expectations for me and make sure that I'm not going to disappoint you. For example, will you be upset if I can't call you back for an hour or two if I'm with other clients? Or if I'm spending Sunday with my family and I don't return your call until the evening? Please be honest with me. I want to go into this relationship knowing what to expect. Okay, now see what you've done. You haven't told them what to expect. You've basically asked for their permission to do what you're going to do. And then once they've granted it, they've agreed to it and they've said it out loud. And nine times out of 10, they're going to agree to this reasonable expectation. I mean, what are they going to do? Say, no, absolutely not. You know, um, now if they do, then I guess there's your out if you want, if you want to take it. Another thing that, let's say that a client is making an unreasonable demand on your time. Okay, you can just say no. Okay, you don't have to be snotty about it. You don't have to be defensive. You don't even have to apologize. You can just say, you know what, that time doesn't work for me. How about 4 o'clock instead? And then shut up. If the client gets all huffy and upset and pouty about it, well, then, you know, maybe it's not a client that you want to work with. But most of the time, people will respect your time and your schedule, and they'll work with you to to find another time. Now, we I talked a few minutes ago about, you know, making boundaries that make sense to you, that you actually care about. And what I have found, I mean, to keep it even simpler than what I've, I've just told you, what I found, I don't have a whole lot of boundaries. But the ones that I do, it's very easy for me to, quote, unquote, enforce because I'm not going to. Do them, whatever that is. For example, I go to bed at 7.30 or 8. I'm not answering the phone at 9 o'clock. I'm not. I'm asleep. I don't really have to tell people that. Most of the people in my world now know it. And if I have to tell them, then I just say, oh, well, yeah, if you're going to call me, you know, 5 o'clock in the morning, fine. You know, 8 o'clock at night, I'm gone. And period. Boundary set. I don't answer my phone. If I don't answer my phone, I set the boundary. Okay. You know, in real estate, when I – I did take Sundays off, and I got to the point where I took Sundays off. And it wasn't that I told people this. I didn't announce it. I didn't go into – you know, it wasn't in my listing presentation or anything that, oh, by the way, this real estate agent doesn't work on Sundays. I just didn't work on Sundays. And unless there was something on fire, if somebody called me on a Sunday, I might not call them back, you know. And it's – so – it's a much easier to protect your time, to protect your your energy without trying to alienate that other person. So I don't know if this all makes sense. I kind of went off on a ramble. But let me, um, let me go over here and see what questions I have, and then I can tell if I completely lost all of you. So, okay, if you have any questions or comments for me, now would be the time. We're at the bottom of the hour. So I'll take, you know, another five, ten minutes. Let's see, your point about getting up with aches and pains and grabbing your lower back is totally me after I've been sitting. But after a few steps, I'm good to go. I'm going to try your idea about just standing up as if I have no aches at all. I love that idea. Um, I just turned 50 yesterday, so I don't want to feel like that little old lady. Yeah, it's really, it's it's awesome. Let's see. Uh Related to over-communicating with clients, returning calls, text, emails, how do you schedule your day, strategies to respond in a timely manner and also focus on the other tasks of the day? So. Um, You know, I I I don't know how long it would – I mean, unless you have, like, lots and lots and lots and lots of clients, like 20, 30, 40 clients, you know, I don't think over-communicating with your existing clients is really going to be all that time-consuming. Again, I'm not saying that you have to talk to them for an hour on the phone. You don't have to send them, you know, big, long emails. Just basically staying in touch about one thing or another. And when you're working with a real estate client, there should be things to talk about. Now, again, not necessarily every day. But if you – let's say that you have a reasonably full um, client load. Let's say you have 10 active clients right now. And you could, I think, very easily schedule an hour out of your day to communicating with them. And I think you could probably get all 10 communicated with – and you're not doing it every day necessarily. But – and that should be a priority. If there's something else you're doing and you don't have time to be doing all this communicating with your current clients, then there's something wrong with your business model. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things. We could have a long conversation about that. But if you don't have time to communicate with your current clients, then there's something wrong. And I can promise you, if you take that time, if you make that time, it will be a far better use of that hour than probably something else that you're doing. So just say, you know what, this is going to be a priority for me. And it will pay off in so many ways besides just, you know, lowering your stress. um, It will be a a boom to your business. So um, let's see. Love your ideas, the things that are game changers to me. Don't talk about how stressed you are. Master the shrug. Comfort yourself. Silver lining thinking. Be willing to let difficult clients go. Um, Thank you. Awesome. Okay. Well, We are at the 33 after the hour, so I guess I'll go ahead and sign off now. Anyway, I appreciate everybody. I guess I'll be in touch soon. Thanks, y'all. Okay, bye-bye.